Okay, uh, this thing is on? Yeah, okay, good. So um, for some of the saints who were not here with us this afternoon, um, uh, the um, burden for these few meetings, this blending conference, um, is on the gates of the New Jerusalem. You can see this in your uh, uh, outline. I think they passed our message two already, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, a kind of a rather uh, um, distinct topic, you know, on just on the gates uh, of the holy city. Uh, but as I uh, uh, try to make clear uh, in this last meeting, uh, my burden is not in interpretation of the truth or... Um, you know, to pre or even just to present some vision. Um, but my burden is uh, very much in the matter of application. Application. That means to apply uh, what we see and know. Actually, talk about the New Jerusalem. Isn't there a book called The Application uh, of, of, the, of the Interpretation of the New Jerusalem? Um, and so that book will, you know, if you read that book, uh, you will get a lot of help uh, in the interpretation. But you can also see um, Brother Lee's um, burden is not just the interpretation, but the application of the interpretation. So this is the primary burden when we talk about the gates. <clears throat> now tonight, uh, I probably will need the help of the outline. Um, because the, uh, a lot of the uh, utterances and speaking um, in the ministry are um, very self-explanatory and um, I actually cannot word it better uh, in terms uh, of, uh, the, of the uh, burden behind it and uh, even the... Uh, particular utterance that came with the burden. Um, <clears throat> we see that the sign of the holy city, the new Jerusalem, um, it is a huge big city and with high walls. And I believe those are not high walls, those are actually very thick walls. I mean, it couldn't be just a six inches thick wall, right? This is a huge big city. Um, those walls would be very, very thick and very, very tall. And um, it's uh, imposing, it is uh, magnificent, it is, um, in fact, these walls turn out to be somewhat transparent because they are jasper-like and translucent, I should say that allow the uh, light from within the city to, uh, to emanate through, through it. But this city not only have walls, uh, these wonderful walls, uh, 
And we, uh, just to remind us, the walls are for three things. Number one, it is for uh, um, separating, for separation. And number two, it is for protection of whatever is within the city. And thirdly, it is for expression, the shining out of God's glory. Um, but on these walls, there are gates, and they are very interestingly not just one gate or two gates. There are 12 of them, with three to each side in four directions. And we know from that that is, in terms of the four direction, it really means um, um, the four direction of the earth, where the uh, creatures are, where especially uh, uh, the human creatures are. Uh, that, it, that means it's towards all men, right, all men. Yeah. And, um, and uh, you have the number three, uh, which are the three gates, and then you have the number four, the four sides, and three times four, you have altogether 12 gates. And that tells us that just like the city proper, the New Jerusalem proper, it is, yes, the, it, it displays, it expresses the glory of God, but it is, that glory is expressed not just in God himself, but in and through man. The redeemed regenerated and even transformed and glorified men. They uh, actually are part of this city, uh, an integral part of the city. In fact, this city is a mingling of God and man. So um, when we talk about these gates of this uh, city, on the one hand, it, we refer to Christ. Christ actually is the unique entrance into Amen. God. Amen. Today, for any sinner, any person who wants to draw near to God and to approach God and even to contact God and even in, eventually to come into God, to become one with God, there's only one way provided, and that way is Jesus, Amen. who said, I am the way. Amen. Amen. No, can, no man can come to the Father um, except through me. Amen. Don't look for any other way to God. Amen. Christ is the only way. Amen. So these gates uh, are in principle Christ. And we quoted various verses, uh, particularly the one in Ephesians 2, that says it is through him, through Christ Jesus, that um, uh, uh, in one spirit, that we have access to God the Father. So Christ um, is the unique access for God's people to come to the Father and to come into the Father. So we know, we know that. But my emphasis um, this weekend is not even on that. My emphasis is that those gates is not only just Christ, the individual Christ alone, but that those gates, there are 12 of them. Mm 
right? Those gates should be also us as part of the new Jerusalem. Of course, not just us in our natural being or in our fallen state. Of course not. But us in a saved condition, in a, as redeemed and regenerated ones, and those who have identified with Christ, those who have become one with Christ, uh, those who have become u- united and uh, blended, and even we use the word incorporated with Christ. Amen. Today, we are those gates. Amen. So I would like to say that the burden for this weekend is that every saint is a gate. Every one of us should be a little gate. Maybe you're not a big gate like Billy Graham, right? Billy Graham was a huge gate because who untold millions were saved through his preaching and even come, came to the Lord through him. I, I just went to visit his library in Charlotte um, after the recent Thanksgiving conference, spent about uh, two and a half hours. I have studied Billy Graham. I read him. So a lot of the display exhibits are not new to me because I, I know a lot of these things. But when one cannot help but still come away from just um, um, visiting a library like that, deeply, deeply inspired, I was deeply inspired that there was such a man of God raised up by the Lord uh, in his time, which is really the second half of the last century. You know, he began his ministry, I mean, he broke out, so to speak. He became known in 1949 through a one-week or ten-day crusade in a tent close to uh, L.A. Trade Tech today, right around there uh, near downtown L.A., which turned into an eight-week affair because the people kept coming and so on. And uh, overnight, he became quite the sensation but the point is, that's when his um, 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 national or even international ministry began, 1949. And of course, this year in February, uh, he passed away. And he had not been in public ministry for a while. So he occupied um, that second half of the 20th century. And I, tonight, I don't have time to talk about Billy Graham. But if you let me have time, I'd like to talk to you a lot about how this man was used, not only to save so many souls, so many people around the world, but how even the Lord used him to preserve this country of the United States. You know, he spanned about 10 to 12 presidents, starting with Truman, all the way today, even with the present uh, president. Uh, they all have something to do with Trump or in various ways to various degrees rely on Trump for spiritual advice and support. And don't think that is an, a small thing. Don't think that is a small thing. Um, because this has to do with the Lord needing and still using this country 
for his purpose on the earth today. And this man played a big role. But that's not my main point. My main point was that he was surely a gate. You agree with me? Amen. I mean, today you still, you know, older generation see people. I think more people got safe in front of the television than actually at his crusades in the, uh, you know, sports stadiums and others. More people were saved, actually, uh, through the television. And um, one day the Lord will reward him, and uh, a real, real, true evangelist uh, in the classic definition of the word. Now, we may not be a Billy Graham, but this is not the point. I would actually say today, the days of Billy Graham, the giant evangelist, is over. God is not, God cannot build up his body just by gifts alone, no matter how big those gifts are. God's way is that these gifts would perfect us little saints to do the work of the ministry to build up the body of Christ. So until God get many, many little gates, you see, he, can, he still cannot work out his economy. So today, don't look, try to be Billy Graham, but look to the Lord to make you a small gate. Yeah? Maybe not millions can come through. How about in your lifetime, 10, 20, 30 can come through? How about this? How about every one of us is a gate? And we are gates. We are regenerated and transformed, not just for display, not just for a museum, not just to be a piece of jewelry. Uh, We are saved. We are uh, redeemed. We are even being transformed so that we become little pearls. You know the story of, you know the picture of these gates. Each one is a pearl. Is a pearl, you know, someone asked me the question, how do you go through a pearl, you know? It's just this round thing. I said, don't ask me. Um, I just know it's a sign. So don't take it too physically. It's the meaning that is important. But these are 12 big pearls. And on the gate you have uh, each an angel observing it observing those who enter. And also each one has the name of a tribe of Israel. All these are full of meaning. Uh, You know, the uh, name of the tribes of Israel is associated with the law, the Old Testament. That means you can only come through this gate by satisfying God's law. If God's righteousness, holiness, and glory are not satisfied, you cannot come through this gate. You cannot come through this gate. Um, So anyway, there's a lot to talk about, but the point is, the point is, today we should be experiencing what Christ is experiencing. And let me explain. So the pearl we're told, 
um, comes from the sea, right? I mean, there are many kinds of pearls. The bedellium of pearl in Genesis 1, there's also the pearl, or Genesis 2, excuse me. Those are pearls that come from the tree, you know, some secretion from a tree, and they become uh, um, a pearl of sorts. But typically the pearl is found in an oyster, am I right? Where you have an oyster in the sea, and then there comes a little piece of sand or rock that would irritate the, the oyster. And upon that irritation, you, the oyster begin to secrete certain substances or, or juice or whatever it is. And over time, layer and layer of that, uh, of that um, uh, substance uh, around the irritant, the little irritant, would become this pearl. This pearl. And so this is the story of Christ um, who was um, um, uh, you may say like an oyster right in a in the uh, deep sea in the uh, sea of death um, and there comes the irritant what is the irritant the irritant happens to be us uh, the sinners that um, not only irritated him we killed him we um, you know, don't think it's the Roman soldiers with the spear. Um, they represent us. Um, and so he was crucified. He died. And that irritation caused him to secrete the life juice. And that life juice um, um, with the little irritant became the rock, I mean, this, this pearl. And so um, with this pearl, there is definitely the side of redemption, redemption, right? Because there's the cross here. Um, and there's also the side of what? Of regeneration by life. Now, I don't have the time to get into these things, but they are most precious. Um, the, what you think about here is really the picture in John 19 with, um, with the Lord on the cross. And in fact, he died already by that time. And uh, the soldiers came with a spear and pierced his side, right? and wounded him, and out of that wound came what? For two things, two things. Number one, blood, and number two, water. And blood, we know, um, you know, in Zechariah, you have the fountain of blood Amen. in the house of David. That blood is for our sins, for the forgiveness and also for the cleansing of our sins. So that is for our redemption judicially. But not only blood came out, but water came out. Water came out. And that water signifies life. So 
you not only have the redeeming blood, you also have the regenerating life that issue out of his broken side, out of his wounded side. And that water would bring God's life to us to regenerate us. So there you have it. There you have it. That's the oyster story. And there on the cross, um, this blood and this life opens the gate for the sinners to come into God. Um, Now, run sisters, uh, um, at the risk of extrapolating, um, this shows that for Christ to become a gate for us, He cannot remain whole, W-H-O-L-E. He cannot remain. He must be torn. He must be broken. He must be pierced. He must suffer something in order for him to be the gate. And so a heretofore impenetrable God through the cross became enterable in the person of the crucified Jesus. He laid down his soul life as only he could. He could, no one took his life, he said. No one can take my life. I willingly laid it down. And why did he lay it down? Because we need entry. Because sinners need access. And so he, he laid down his life to be crucified so that we can enter in. This life gate. We can go in. Now, brothers and sisters, this is the Lord. This is the Lord. So now through him, we have access into the Father. If we are going to be the gates, and by the way, I haven't finished. Not only each one of us should be a gate of the new Jerusalem, but each church should be a gate. We should not just have wall churches castle churches. We should have gate churches. In fact, 12 gate churches. You you should come to a church and every side you come from, there are gates there. There there are gates there. Abundant gates. There's no shortage. You don't have to look for them. They are They are plain, they are available, they are present. They are just abundant. And I would even say today, brothers and sisters, each home should be a gate. Your home, my home, should be a gate. 
Each marriage in the church life should be a gate. Each district should be a gate. Each small, small group should be a gate. Uh, you, you follow me? Brothers, the church, all the local churches should be open. Totally open. Now, I'm not saying we do away with the wall. Okay? We need the wall still for separation and, and protection and expression. So we're not doing away with that. But my burden is perhaps we are more, we are more adequate that way, but inadequate in this way. And that is we have a deficiency. We have a lack in the opening. Now, if the Lord Jesus had to die in that way, of course, we are not the Lord. We, we can never accomplish redemption. We know that, right? But still, in principle, he had to go through what he went through in order to become such a gate. Then, brothers and sisters, I would say we're no different. What am I saying? I'm saying that if you want to be a real gate that others can come through into Christ and into the triune God, I see no way except we need to be broken. I always thought that the cross, you know, I, I, I read a lot of books, especially Brother Watchman Nee, he is a cross man. In other words, he had the deepest experience of the cross. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. But I've always pursued the experience of the cross for my spiritual growth for my spiritual accomplishments, for my spiritual maturity. I don't know about you. So when we talk about bearing the cross, we talk about taking the cross, we talk about being crossed out, whatever, it mostly have to do with my what? My development, my spiritual advancement, at least in my mind in my mind. And it's true. That is true. You know, without the ex subjective experience of the cross of Christ, no one can really grow in life. That is true. No doubt. But this weekend, I would like to view the work of the cross differently. And that is the cross is not to make you spiritual. The cross is to make a hole in you. The cross is just like the spear that, you know, pierced the Lord and nailed him 
hands and feet. Because without something opened and broken, we, brothers and sisters, are impenetrable. No one can come through us. We're whole. We're beautiful. We're tall. We're magnificent. But we're not enterable. It is quite possible that we're in the church life, we love the Lord, we pursue the Lord, we even experience the Lord. But you are not a penetrable person. No one can enter through you. No one. And so in the case of Christ, he was pierced and outflowed these things. And really, that really means that's where you come in, right? That's where a sinner would come in to God. The riven veil that happens when that happens, when the Lord died and gave up his, yielded his spirit to the Father, the veil was riven from top to bottom, right? That veil signifies his flesh being torn so that man can enter into the holiest of all, which is the presence of God. Again, you have the tearing of the flesh that God did. Again, so that we can enter in. So, my question to all of us is this. I don't say this to make you introspective or, you know, in that kind of a way. But are you whole or are you broken? Have you been wounded? You understand what I mean by that. That determines how much of this water can flow. It also determines whether there's access in you. Of course, Christ is the access. We know that. But I'm saying we need to share his experience or identify with him in order for us to function as a gate, as a door. You know, um, in the world, even in the world, okay, even not in the Christian realm, the people, you know, they used to be hard, you know what I mean, tough, um, uh, what is the word, just perfect, um, whole. Then something happens. Then something happened in their lives. 
in some case, a tragedy. Um, well, let's go back to this President Bush, huh? you know, the, the one who just died. You know, he had a three-year-old daughter who died, uh, you know, long, long time ago. And that death basically changed his life, his whole outlook in life. And he was not the same man anymore after she died. And by the way, now she's bar they're, they're buried, he's buried in College Station, his presidential library. And it's him and Barbara Bush and Robin, the, this three-year-old daughter. And there were stories about him. Uh, is that right? One time going to uh, some hospital. I don't know where in Germany or whatever, some hospital. And he find himself with a young little boy um, with the same problem, leukemia. That's what she died of. And once he found out, he was the president at that time, you know, <laughs> visiting this, this hospital, these kids or something, he just broke down, the, the president. But you, president should not be breaking down. So he has to be, I don't know what he, what he did. Remember, Vicky, what she did? Uh, say that again, I, sorry. Okay, so the cameras were behind him, all right? So he's with this little boy, and that's when he broke and down. He was weeping. He was weeping. And he said that he, he didn't have the words, but he wanted the little boy to know how much I loved him. Yeah, he didn't have the words. This is President Bush saying, but he just wanted that little boy to know how much he loved him because all the memories came back. Now, I believe if he did, if he did not have that experience of, of a, of, with his daughter, he probably will not have that level of feeling and empathy and and love towards this little boy. I, I don't think so. But it's automatic. He didn't work out something. He didn't manufacture some emotions. He was a broken man. He was broken by the death of his child. It broke his heart. And I'll tell you where that break occurs. I'm talking just in the human sense. Where that heartbreak occurs, that's where love flows. That's where love flows. Now that is only one story. There are many human stories in society today. 
something happened, or you become sick, or you went through some very terrible trouble, uh, some, you know, all, all kinds of human situations, and you passed through it, you survived it. But your being is changed forever. You, you changed person. That something, that experience broke you. Mm-hmm. It broke your heart, actually. Mm-hmm. And it is out of that break, breakage or that breaking right. that something, in this case, of the good of humanity would issue forth. Now, brothers and sisters, I'm here for experience, right? I'm not here talking truth and so on. I can relate to this in a small way. And I've shared this experience with some, but I will share it again here. Uh, may the Lord covers me, cover me, and may Vicky also cover me on this. And that was in the year 1975, uh, four, four or five. We had just moved from Los Angeles, many of us following Witness Lee to Orange County. Some ended up in Anaheim, the church in Anaheim. Some of many of us ended up in Huntington Beach. We were called the Young Army Church, you know. So I was there, a lot of young people. And we were charged to save those surfer dudes, you know. We were out on that Huntington Pier. You may not believe me one time, if you can picture this, okay. Up in, today is still Jack's Surfboard. It was the old Jack's Surfboard building. It's, it's, it's an iconic building. And we will be, we, meaning the church young people, will be out there in the pier in summer preaching the gospel to, to these people. And they round them up together, I don't know how we did it, and packed the second floor, which is a brother's apartment. You know that? You know Dennis Higashi used to live there? And I don't mean he serves, he's just with some brothers, they live there uh, for this, for the gospel. And it was packed. I mean, today I still can see it with, when I close my eyes. I could hardly open my eyes because it's naked bodies, right? Young men, young women, just naked bodies sitting. And me, this little scrawny Chinese, have to give a gospel message to these surfers and surfer boys and surfer girls. I don't know what they were thinking about me, right? (laughs) And we were charged in those days to evangelize Huntington Beach, you know, the surfing city. Okay. And so Brother Lee, two things happened. Number one, Brother Lee was um, giving us a training. And today, I'd like to recommend that book to you, all of you very much. And that is the book called The Normal 
way to, of fruit bearing and shepherding to build up the church or something like that. That is an absolute marvelous book. You, you need to get it. So he gave us training, and in that training, he particularly worked on some of us young people. And in many instances, I was always a convenient target to Brother Lee, sitting up there, and would be worked on by him. And in this case, his, among many things he shared, and you can find it in the book, many things he shared, the one thing that grabbed me was the matter of our disposition. It's our disposition that keeps us from loving people and caring for people. Our cold disposition, our, our whole disposition, our, uh, he just spoke, spoke. Nothing, almost I heard nothing else, but I heard that. Why? Because I knew very well that was my problem. Mind you, at that time, I was very seeking, I was very pursuing, I was one of the leaders among the young people, I was active, I was a 10,000% for the church life. But when this word came to me, I, I was on the spot. I, I, I knew my disposition is in the way. Then, concurrently, around the same time, Brother Lee gave, uh, was giving the Genesis Life Studies, you know, that he talked about, Genesis Life Studies. And he was talking about, in fact, what is in this, you find in this outline, on Abram and Sarai, whose names were changed to Abraham and Sarah, you know. You know, in the Hebrew, the Abram and Abraham is just one alphabet difference. One alphabet difference. And so, Bradley talked about um, Abram. The meaning is exalted, an exalted father. Sarai means my princess. Abraham after the name change. It means a father of multitudes. And the name, my princess, became just simply princess. So Brother Lee spoke a lot about that. And that word, along with the other word, just... put me on the spot. And he said... You need a name change. A name means a person. That means you need a change in your person. Otherwise, you may be an exalted father, a spiritual prominent brother, you know, an exalted father. Prideful, um, well-known, accomplished. But you will never be able to have spiritual children. Which at that time, Abram could not have a child. Despite God's promise and covenant. 
And so he changed his names. And of course, after the name change, they, they have uh, uh, children. Now, at that time, these words begin to work in me. And I would like to tell you, you know, by then, after so many years in the church life, uh, my spirit was very exercised. I was very living. I was all the things, all the boxes checked, okay, for me, as far as a good brother. But when it comes to this matter, it's like the Lord spoke and say, all of that, all of that means nothing, means nothing. All of, you know, you know what I mean. So all I want is some children from you, some children from you, some, some people. And the pressure was so intense within me. No one spoke to me. It's just the Lord spoke. And I, I, I didn't know what to do. I absolutely did not know what to do. It's not something you pray and it's over with or... You know, you know what I mean. It's something a lot deeper. I realize it is something so much deeper that the Lord wanted and needed to touch for a change. But let me tell you, I could not change. I could not change. I knew it. I could not change. That's me. The Lord would speak and touch me like, see, you can do so much, speak so much, give messages. But you don't love people. You don't care for people. All this is for you to be exalted. But I want multiplication. I want a nation. I don't want just a father. The pressure was intense. So much so that I don't know. Vicky may remember or not, but one night, I, I, no one I could talk to, no brothers I could talk to, even, it's hard for me even to talk to her. And so one night we were living in this uh, first apartment there with one bedroom and, and I was just, I was almost ready to have a breakdown or something, you know, some, something something like that and it was at that time I shared something with her about my my problem and all I could do was weep that's all I could do and thank the Lord my wife was there she didn't know what to do like what's happening with you I mean is it that serious, you know? Um, and all, all, 
all she could do was cuddle me and, and you know, comfort me in the way she could. But it's one of those things that it's not even someone who is sympathetic with you can just bring you through it. Because God was after something. And he had to get through. And I will tell you to this day, that represents one of the main breaking that the Lord did in my life. Now, I'm not going to tell you after that experience I become this great, right? <laughs> I become this Billy Graham or something. No, it didn't. But I will say this. I will say this. Through that kind of deep, cracking, breaking experience, something changed. In a small way, but something changed. From then on, I look at my service with different eyeglasses. I look at my function. I look at my church life with different eyeglasses. You say, what eyeglasses? There seems to be the beginning of seeing everything. Not from my perspective, my own angle. From then on, it's about people. It's just about people. It's not what I do anymore, how I serve anymore. It's about people. Now, in the, those days until now, I cannot tell you that I, I'm so successful or I'm so this or that. But I just want to testify to this point that I'm making that an event, a, an experience, which is really the Lord's mercy, almost have to take place in you for something to break. So that you, would, you and I would begin to live a less selfish life. for others, for people, sinners, seekers, all kinds. Now, my brothers and sisters, uh, you can forget about my, my story here. My big burden within me is in these days, the Lord seemed to be wanting to move in a fresh way in the USA in America. And this fresh move for sure will have a lot to do with gaining people and bringing the increase. In other words, in fruit bearing and in shepherding. And by the way, talk about fruit bearing. You know, we always say it's where there's a cut. That's where the Jews would flow, and that's where new fruit would be born. It's the same principle. If there's not the cutting, there'll be no flowing, and there would be no fruit. 
Gospel preaching is not a technique. Even the God-ordained way that we talk about is not a technique. If you are a broken person, any way works. If you are an unbroken person, nothing works. Vital group doesn't work. God-ordained way doesn't work. You understand what I'm saying? Because those things are not the gates. The person is the gate. You are the gate. People are trying to get into God. They don't know how. They're looking for a way in. They couldn't find that way until they find you because you are a gate. And this is not just about gospel preaching. This is even about bringing a person, what, into the Lord and even to, what, shepherd them and, and, and help them to grow in Christ. I tell you, I, I said already, this, this wall is thick, so this gate is a very long passageway. It's not just a little door. You are a gate, not just to a person, just to get that person saved. You are a gate for them for years. In some cases, for decades, they still are going through you into God. I speak experientially. The problem in our lack of increase, I would say, is not even a lack of zeal. Although we need more zeal. We do need more fire and burden for the gospel. But this weekend, I would like to say that the lacking in this gaining the increase for the Lord is not we don't have enough gates in the church. Enough brothers and sisters who are broken and torn and pierced and not whole and have laid down their lives and have what? Lay down their soul life so that others can have access through them. Let me go a little further. The Lord, before he was crucified, lived, you know, those three and a half years. And I mentioned already, uh, in a lot of the stories in the Synoptic Gospels, what the Lord did. What, what did he do? He, he went and um, hang, you know, today you call it hang, not hang out. You could, he went and hang. With, 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 with the most despicable and, and, you know, messed up people. Uh, I don't think the Lord knew what good material was. <laughs> I mean, anyone who wants good material would not do what the Lord did. Would you go... 
to be with prostitutes to look for good material? Would you go to the tax collector to find good material, Rich? No, I would go to uh, UCI, right? <laughs> At least they get a degree there, you know. Uh, what, what, you, you get my point. You get my point. But I'd like to tell you, this woman who has seven demons cast out of her, bad, bad woman, Mary the Magdalene, became the first human being to see Christ in resurrection. When the Lord would not even reveal himself to any of his disciples, Peter included. First, he revealed himself to this woman, even before his presenting himself to the Father. Now, my question is, Mary the Magdalene, good material? Brothers and sisters, who is good material? And what is good material? The one thing about these gates, I believe, is they are not selective. Now, I'm not saying that we should not be discerning, you know, common sense discerning of things and, you know, situations. But I'm saying that could it be that in the Lord's recovery, while we know all this truth, we, we, we're, we, we're so enriched in so many ways, But our heart for man, our burden for people, has abated. And is not where it should be. Because the last time I checked, so to speak, there are still a lot of sinners out there. And from BFA, a lot of seekers out there. A lot of them. And today, this country, I told you the, the population number today. You know, Irvine is beautiful, right? That's why we move here. <laughs> These lollipop trees and plastic-looking grass. And <laughs> It's just a beautiful place with perfect people walking around. But you all know, you all know what's going on behind those houses, those doors. People in need, people dying spiritually, people suffering, people in pain. People with addiction. Yeah? People with broken homes. People with broken marriages. 
behind the, these beautiful doors, beautiful doors, beautiful communities. Brothers and sisters, there's no problem with the riches we have, the gospel that we have. The problem is there's no gates, a few gates for the needy to come through. So I would like to submit <clears throat> this is very much a problem of the heart, the heart. If you have never been heartbroken, you don't know how to heal a broken heart. If the Lord never become a man and tasting the weaknesses that we have, he would not know how to be the high priest to succor us and care for us even today right now. So, Brother Lee, witness Lee's words is that without these gates, there's no way for people to enter in. And a gate is a break, an opening, a crack in a wall. We need to build up the wall, but on the other hand, we need breaking to create an entrance into the city. He said there's some Christians, you, you, don't, you don't need to follow me, just listen. Many Christians have no wall. That's bad. They're too open, you know, all the gophers and snakes and whatever. But there are other spiritual ones have a wall with no openings. This is a problem. The more spiritual they become, the more they are not able to bring people to the Lord. It's counterintuitive, isn't it? It should be what? The more spiritual I am, the more people can come through me. No. The more spiritual they become, the less they're able to bring people to the Lord. They cannot beget spiritual children because they have a wall without an entrance. We need a breaking in order to reach out to others so that they may enter in through us. We need to ask how many gates we have and whether people can be safe and enter into the church life through us. Some local churches have a wall without gates, so there's no way for people to enter in. <laughs> Look at this, it's funny. If anyone wants to be saved and come into the church, it seems they have to climb over spiritual persons. <laughs> that they must be holy and spiritual themselves before they can enter in. We have become so holy and so righteous. Sometimes I'm little concerned whether we have become 
that son in Luke 15. The wall in our Christian life and church life must have adequate entrances in four directions. Then no matter what direction people come from, there's an entrance for them to get in. He talk about all classes of people. He talks about all directions of people. We need the breaking to create openings in the walls, which are the triune God as the three gates in four directions. The way to bring people into the church is to have more breaking to create the openings, not by human hands, but by the triune God. The breaking is accomplished by the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. If we are willing for the triune God to break us to create the openings, many people will be brought into the church life through us because the entrances, the gates, will be open. We should not be too spiritual and boast that we are separated, holy and not worldly. If we are this way, then we may want people to see people saved, but they will not come. This indicates that we are too whole. Most Christians desire to be a person with exalted spirituality. The more they seek this kind of spirituality, the more they become barren and individualistic, producing no seed. It's talking about Abraham here. We should fall down, prostrate ourselves, and cry to the Lord, I do not care about my spirituality. I would rather see people be saved and helped by the church. If we do this, the gates will be open. When our spirituality is broken, there are the gates, the openings, and the entrances for the weak and sinful ones to come through. Okay, brothers and sisters, I think you, are, you should be very clear about my burden now. Now, I do not say this word with any thought of judging or condemning any brother or sister or any church at all. If anything, I have the same problem. I am a patient as well. But after much, much study on my part, analyzing the recovery situation, the church's situation, I have to find out why is this low rate of increase. I have to find out why. Our halls are beautiful, am I right? I don't think this is a problem. Then what, the riches we have, it's, it's, it's coming out of our ears. That's not the problem. What is the problem? I tend to think that what I'm talking about this weekend may be one of the main underlying factor. And I so hesitate in these days to just, okay, saints, let's come. Let's review the God-ordained way, okay? Remember the four steps of the God-ordained way? Beget, nourish, perfect, build. See, you got it. But we need a refresher. Then let's go into the principles of the vital group. You know, I read the whole thing, right? So let's do the vital group now. Okay, twos, threes. Trust me, I can do this all day long. 
I'm better than anybody. Well, not anybody. I'm better than a lot of people because I've done this. I also know that this may not last. So it's only about a month ago when a dear brother sent me some of this ministry material that he happened upon on the mat of gates, then suddenly within me, it's like lights turned on. Lights turned on. It says, man, don't try to do a superficial change or, you know, tell the saints to do this or that and you think you can have a breakthrough. The Lord's recovery will have a breakthrough. No, he said, it's a heart problem. H-E-A-R-T. Until there's a heart change, until there's a heart transplant, until something is broken there, we can be busy doing many things. And we have results. We shouldn't say there's no results. We shouldn't say that. There's that side, the skill side, the, the technique side. Please, there is that side. But that must be number two or three. The first thing is our person. But let me finish. Along with the need for the Lord to touch us in this kind of a way, and for this, by the way, brothers and sisters, we all need to go to the Lord. Really, really, brothers and sisters, go to the Lord. Don't be introspective, but go to the Lord and pray. When was the last time someone came through me? Who are the ones uh, that I'm still supplying a passage for them to grow, to come into Christ, and to come into the church life? Where are the names? What are the names that should be etched, engraved in your heart? Brotherly charges, go home, don't just pray. He said, I want your names. He said, I want names. Pray for names. And I found out I have no name. I have lots of burden, but not a name. Brothers and sisters, our family members, our relatives, our neighbors, our friends, our workmates, colleagues, and ordinary people that we run into in the course of our daily life. We, we need to be gates to them, gentle gates to them to come in. So related to this matter of our heart being broken is what? Is the outflow of something called love. I know that is a kind of a tough subject to talk about love, right? Knowledge puffs up. 
love builds up. Paul's word. It's possible because we are so filled with knowledge in the Lord's recovery. And I'm not complaining. But it's possible that knowledge puffs us up. We're, we're the best. We have the best. You know, today, so many of these needy ones, don't, please don't go and dump all your high peak on them. You will kill them. You will suffocate them. I tell you, we almost need to relearn how to be with people. Our church, we have built up a church culture that is not people-friendly. We have built up a culture, not by anyone's intention, but just by a kind of collective situation. It's a culture that people don't want to associate with. They, they couldn't find that doorway. They couldn't find that gate. They don't know how... They, they can climb over us, so they're out. You know the Lord, right? The Lord Jesus. He say these profound things, okay? What, what? You're in me, and I'm in you, and we're in the Father, and spirit of reality, right? Right? Talking to the disciples. But do you hear them talking this way to the prostitute? It will kill her. The Lord would just say, what do you want? I want to see. Okay. He did something and opened the eyes. No message, right? But that person got it, got what he needed. And in time, he will know, you're in me, I'm in you, you know. (laughs) Even, let me tell you, even our talkings in this kind of way to people shows that we're not people-centered. We don't think about where they are. We're not empathetic. We just think about what I have, and I want to dump it on you. Actually, today, a lot of people need something very simple, but very genuine. Everyone needs love. And so tomorrow, I'm going to introduce a song I wrote, 1 Corinthians 13, on the definition of love. And you'll be surprised. It's not the kind of love that you think. This love of God. It's a love that seeks not its own things. It's a love that does not brag. It's a love that suffers long. It's a love that endures 
all things. Brothers and sisters, if we want to gain the world, the love of God must find a way out of us so that people can find a way into God. That's why I sang 431. That's not a gospel song, but it talks about firstly the mighty love coming in, and then it talks about what? A flow of stream of tenderness and grace from us. I hope you're okay. I know I speak in a little different way, but I hope you're okay. Are you okay? Now, please, don't go around and say, Minoru Chen told us this weekend to forget about the high peak. Uh, Forget about the wall. Uh, Just open everything up. Uh, Please don't do that. You're being very unfair. Okay? I'm saying having that wall. Today, our greatest need are the gates. I hope the Lord will change the culture of our church life in the coming days to make it a gate church life. Oh, I tell you, rich people will be just flocking in. They did that once upon a time. Just flocking in. Flocking in. Hippies, you know, we got hippies. Certainly not good material. Trust me. (laughs) Amen. Okay, uh, uh, I think some can give a few testimony. One minute each, huh? Okay? Hard word to give a testament. Amen. Amen. Saints, I'm, I'm really encouraged by this word. I, I just have an amen in my whole being. Uh, people have needs. Actually, on our street, uh, there's a lady. Her husband is dying. She's a curmudgeon. She has no friends. Uh, and my wife's been just taking her to hospital visits and suffers on every drive, but just loves her. And she's been opening wide. My sense is we just, we need to be human with people. Um, this ministry is unsearchably rich. It's put something into us. We just have to open to people so we can be those gates uh, to bring the one who we've enjoyed to them. Uh, to me, this, I just have a very strong amen. This is, this is the word the Lord is speaking in the churches. Amen. Thank you for the word. Um, there's two verses that came to me at the very beginning. Uh, Matthew 13, 45 and 46. It says, Again, the kingdom of the heavens is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And finding one pearl of great value, he went out and sold all that he had and bought it. I surely was not a pearl. I was a grain of sand. I'm pretty sure we all were. 
And these grains of sand are just sinners. Yet the Lord took us in his inward parts. And he saw us as a pearl. He didn't see us as a grain of sand. He saw us as a pearl. A precious, fine pearl. And he took and he bore all of our iniquities and everything on the cross. And yet today as well, you know, there's many people that irritate us, that bother us. Um, we find them as a grain of sand. But those are our pearls. Those are the ones the Lord's asking to bear in our inward parts. And you know what? Those are the ones that will be secreted, who will become pearls to build up the new Jerusalem. All of us are familiar with the Gospel of John, chapter 4, about living water. Actually, there's one verse there that touches me. When the disciple came back with the food, the Lord Jesus said that, I have food that you do not know. The people scratch their head. Oh, did someone give me something to eat? The Lord Jesus said, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Leave up your eye. The field is white for harvest. You say, it's still four more months? But actually, you look at the whole chapter. You say, look up your eye. Where's the field? There's only one Samaritan woman. But yet the Lord Jesus, we spend all this time, leave a comfort zone, go over territorial barrier, the racial barrier, the religious barrier, to see one Samaritan woman. That's a really good example that this is an ordinary day. Yes, something extraordinary happened. The Gospel of John is the chapter that mostly preached throughout the ages, for generations, throughout the world. It's an ordinary day, yet if you seize opportunity, you can become extraordinary day. The opportunities all around us to preach the Gospel. Our experience of the cross should be for more than our own spiritual progress. It is to make a hole or a passage through you. And when I heard this, I just realized that my view of my own experience of the crucified Christ has been so narrow, has been so individualistic and self-centered. But rather, as we've seen today, the New Jerusalem has gates, 12 gates, three gates on each side. And praise the Lord, this is a re reflecting the heart of our Lord Amen. to bring whosoever wills. Even in 2 Timothy, there's a verse, God desires all men to be saved. So sometimes I feel that my heart is not as broad as the Lord's, right? Um, I'm very selective about the ones I meet on campus who I think is good material and bad material, but I need to go before the Lord and have the Lord grant me the experiences that I need, right? Otherwise, if I remain whole, then there will be no way for so many to even touch the Lord. So, O oh Lord Jesus, amen. I just want to confirm what Brother Morrow said as far as hourly um, in Irvine, everything seems so wonderful, so amazing. Every home seems so happy. Everything, every need is taken care of. But recently I've been um, speaking to some of my gym members and just asking them, so how are you? Besides the hello, yeah, I'm fine, yeah. No, really, how are you? How is everything going with you? Actually caring about them. And I tell you, it's, it's, it's almost heartbreaking to hear almost everyone's having relationship problems, marriage problems, children problems, everything. Everyone's hurting. Everyone's in pain. 
Yet if, we open it, if I open my heart more, I could find out more. But what I realize is that, you know, at, for so many years, or yeah, for so many years I've been going to these people, meeting them at the gym, seeing them at the gym, but I didn't care. I didn't ask them. And yet, just by asking them a few honest, sincere questions, I'm able to speak the gospel. I'm able to speak Christ. I'm able to, to speak life into these people. And, I, and I'm sure that there's, all of us know so many people that we run, uh, run, run across by. The Lord is speaking to us, but what are we saying? Are we opening to them? Do we have an open heart for them? I assure you, we're all in pain, one way or the other. We need to have the Lord's heart to speak through us. I've, I've always heard that, you know, we need to bear the cross. And it made a lot of sense today when, um, sorry, he is the cross not, uh, you know, sorry, we need to bear the cross not to be spiritual, but to make a hole in us. So the cross is what pierced the Lord. After that, out came life and blood in order to give us a gate. Amen. Amen. Okay, praise the Lord, saints. Um, we're going to end the meeting. I have a few important announcements. Thank the Lord for his faithful speaking. Um, for tomorrow, we expect quite a few more saints here, so we have some rules about how to handle the children and the parking that are important to make life peaceful for everyone. Uh, the children ages K through six, kindergarten through six, will be at Hall 3, which is at 620 Roosevelt. That's the address, 620 Roosevelt. We'd like you to drop your children there at 9.30 tomorrow morning. The meeting here will start at 10, but if you could drop your children at 9.30 there, and you can actually leave your car there, and there will be a shuttle bus to bring the adults to this hall. And then there'll be a shuttle bus after the meeting to bring you back to Hall 3 to get your children. If you have infants or toddlers, you bring them to this hall. So K through six at hall three, infants and toddlers here at hall one. Is that clear? Okay. And if you have infants and toddlers, you can park in this parking lot. Also, if you're elderly, I'm not elderly, I'm middle-aged. <laughs> if you're elderly, you can park in this lot also. If you're not elderly, uh, we'd like uh, the saints to park either behind the meeting hall and walk here, or park at Venado Middle School. There will be shuttle buses from Venado Middle School to bring you to this meeting hall as well. And for the Irvine Saints, um, we'd, we'd like the Irvine Saints to try to get here early. The meeting starts at 10 tomorrow. If you're from Irvine, we normally start at 9.30, so why not be normal? <laughs> Let's get here at 9.30, exercise, and then when the deer out of town saints come in, they can come into a meeting that is living, burning, exercised. Uh, we, wanna, we wanna have a Lord's table that's relatively brief, uh, so then we can get to the speaking part of the message, okay? All right, that's all. You can be dismissed, thanks. Amen.